0: Hello, this is Jamie Livingston, and Hanako Gallagher, and we are
1: Undecided
0: California.
1: Alright. How you doing, Hanako? I'm good. Good. Take it's, two. Yeah. Take three, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Try to minimize the dog panting sounds. Yes. We're house-sitting and dog-sitting mm-hmm.
0: for Hanako's father. Yeah. So we're not in our normal garage. No. You can't hear the creaky door. You can't hear the creaky door, but you might hear some panting from a dog. (laughs) Give and take. Anyways. So what we are talking about this week is two propositions. Proposition 2 and Proposition 10. Mm -hmm. And what do they focus on, Hanukkah? They're both housing related.
1: Yes. So I cover Prop 10 and it's has to do with rent control in California and how much power local government has over that.
0: And Proposition 2 covers a authorization of another proposition in terms of allocating funds for mental health services and where that money is going to go. Okay. Yeah. So let's jump into it. All right. Can Can you tell me about Prop 2? I can tell you all about Prop 2. Okay. so a little background. A Proposition 36 passed in 2004, and this proposition taxes individuals whose income is a million dollars or over 1% on their income, and that money goes towards mental health services for individuals in California. Okay. So for people who suffer from mental illness. This proposition, Proposition 2, would allocate about $2 billion dollars of that money collected from that proposition, Proposition 36, I mean, 63, Proposition 63, it would collect about $2 million of that and put it towards uh, homelessness prevention for individuals who suffer from mental health issues.
1: So it's not changing what the money was originally meant for. It's just specifying more specifically it needs to go to housing or Mm -hmm. homelessness.
0: Exactly. So this also wouldn't create any new taxes. And it wouldn't really be spending any additional money that wasn't already being collected. Okay. So this is considered a revenue bond versus an obligatory bond, which is most bonds that we cover. So revenue bonds normally don't have to go through the voting system, the go on the ballot to be approved by voters in California. But because this bond is focused on reallocating funds from another proposition that was approved by Californians then Californians need to approve this spending does that make sense? yeah so if like this bond was just allocating funds from a bill another bill that the state assembly and state Sen- uh, assembly and state Senate had decided on then California wouldn't need to approve it. But because we've already approved the money that was... The tax that was already in place, we need to prove where this money is going to go.
1: Okay. Because this proposition is kind of modifying something that we already signed off on earlier. Mm -hmm. So we need to, like, re-approve it. (laughs) Tofu. I swear to God.
0: Anyways. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly that. Yes. Okay. So Proposition 63 did not go into effect until 2016 because of litigation regarding.
1: What are we gonna do with you?
0: So this proposition didn't even go into effect in 2016, Proposition 63, because they were reg- uh, debating the, the legality of having a proposition that taxed only millionaires for mental health services. They weren't sure if that was even legal, but it is. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, there are three other propositions on the 2018 ballot that focus on housing this year. Proposition one is, we covered this in episode three, and it focuses on housing bond f- bonds for veterans. Proposition five, which is covered in episode one of season two, um, and this covers Prop 13 tax transfer, and then Proposition 10, which you're about to cover, that we're focusing on this episode. Uh-huh. The bill required a two-thirds majority vote. The housing is seen as necessary as it will combat mental illness because homelessness is a huge issue for people who have mental health Mm -hmm. um, because they can't hold onto a residency or a job for long enough to have a housing and having a stable living environment will aid in their recovery time faster. And about 5% of the money raise the two billion dollars raised will go to administration cost so it's about a hundred million dollars okay yes so who supports this are a slew of people zima creason is the ceo of mental health america and she supports it i think that's a she i don't know i don't know david swing president of california police chief association supports this sergio aguilar yeah, former member of the National Advisory Mental Health Council of the National Institute of Mental Health supports this. Their argument is that Prop 2 is not a tax, it has no cost to taxpayers, and it focuses on building supportive housing for people who are homeless and need mental health services. Which is basically just what the bill says. So their their argument for it is just what the bill does.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it
0: sounds sounds good when you say it like that. Yeah. Sounds dope. So, in terms of funding raised in support of this bill, about $2,066,900 have been raised so far, with the largest donor being the Chan Zuckerberg Advocacy Group, and they raised a total of $250,000. The second largest donor was Member's Voice of the State Building and Construction Trade Council of California, and they raised $150,000. And then... There's a couple other individuals that raised $100,000, and that was about eight other individuals. Okay. And a lot of them were housing. A lot of them focused on housing overall. So, construction people like this. <laughs> ah. Because it's gonna mean more money for them. Because government contracts. Individuals who have opposed this overall have all come from one organization. And that's the National Alliance on Mental Illness in Contra Costa. So, yeah. It's just one section of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The Contra Costa section. Yeah. And that's the president, Charles Madison. Bad name. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds very much like Charles Manson. Sorry, guy. The ED, GGR Crowder. And the legislative committee chairperson, Douglas D- uh, W. Dunn. Douglas Dunn. The argument was... <laughs> their first opening statement was, we know best because we work with these people, basically.
1: That was the entirety of their statement. It's was like, we know what we're talking about. Because they work with mentally ill people. Yeah. And they think they don't need more funding for housing.
0: I don't know. It goes on. Anyways, they said it costs about... 5.6 billion dollars because of a portion in the bill allocates 140 million dollars to raise um, money for like administration costs. Okay. Or like cost in total, and that this is a forty year bond, so it's gonna to equal to five point six billion. I didn't really get that logic because I didn't really get that part when I read the bill. I read the bill and I'm still very confused. Okay. The bill is not very well written for individuals like me because all it does is reference other points in other bills. So every time it makes a point about something, you have to go read another bill section of that. Yeah. Okay. It's it's very confusing. It's yeah. It was not easy for me to get through.
1: It's like one of those like choose your own adventures where it's like, what will you do? Like turn to page forty-five. Yeah,
0: basically, turn your own, choose your own adventure for figuring out laws. Yeah, not as fun. Not as fun. Um, five uh, percent of the bi- the bond goes towards administration costs, which is hundred million, which they say they don't like because why do you need a hundred million for administration costs? That was their argument. I don't know. I feel like 5%. I would have to know,
1: like, the breakdown of what those costs are to be able to, like, agree or disagree with that. I
0: mean, $100 million over a 40-year period doesn't sound that outrageous to me. Maybe. No. No. If it was one year, like, 40% every year, <laughs> then I'd be like, wow, damn. $100 million, but mm, that doesn't sound too outrageous. Um, it's unnecessary because Assembly Bill 727 already pays for housing for individuals that Prop 2 would cover. Yeah, so that's a big issue for me, if this is true. I need to investigate this more. I couldn't find any additional research on this, which might just be because we're, like, three months out from the election, so no one's really started covering these propositions yet. Mm -hmm. But if that's true, that kind of seems... Like, why would you take money away from something that could be adding additional services, like this $2 billion could be doing something else when you're already paying for people with mental health issues to live in apartments and get houses for them yeah it just seems kind of random and then it does nothing to combat the systemic legal barriers like limited state protections against restrictive local zoning so what that means is that they're arguing that a lot of times when you want to build housing for people with mental illness the community is going to lash out Because there's a lot of stigma against people with mental illness, that they cause crime, um, that they're violent, that they're, like, public nuisance. Yeah. And they think it will lower the property value of their house. So they'll fight, like, tooth and nail to not have these, like, individuals have housing built for them in their neighborhood.
1: So they would rather let these people be homeless somewhere else than be housed in their neighborhood. Yeah. Which is, like... Pretty
0: Which is a big issue because if you're gonna build two billion dollars worth of housing for these individuals, like where are you gonna put it? Yeah. Especially if every like place you try to put is gonna have a fight back.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. It's from ignorance about what mental illness is though, more than anything.
0: Yeah, but this bill doesn't do anything to combat that and that's an argument against it. Which is true, if you're gonna like delegate two million billion dollars for housing, you should probably include somewhere how it's going to happen, in terms of, like, counteracting these restrictions
1: against mental illness zoning. Are they gonna, like, give grants to existing organizations that already do this kind of work? Or how will that...
0: That happen? was not specified in the bill. There was nothing really specified on how the money was spent. This was one of the weirder bonds, because most of the times when we read bonds, we know exactly where the money's going. Yeah. It delegates very clearly. This didn't even mention, like, oh, we'll find services. Like, it didn't mention how the money was going to be spent at all. Hmm. In terms of reading the bill, I did, was not a fan.
1: Just it was too vague. It was
0: very vague. So in terms of a voting history, 26 uh, Democrats voted yes in the Senate. That's, like, all the Democrats that are in the Senate. Okay. And nine Republicans voted yes, and only four Republicans did not vote. No one voted no in the Senate. Wow. Okay. So very bipartisan. And then in the Assembly, 53 Democrats voted yes, two did not vote, none voted no, 19 Republicans voted yes, five did not vote, one voted no. So very bipartisan. Only had one person vote against it. Yeah, not a lot of pushback. No. Um, Which is interesting. But yeah. So after hearing my explanation of the bill, what would you say, Hanako?
1: I think I would vote yes on it. Because Mm -hmm. it's not... Like you said, the money's already out there, it's just designating more specifically where it's going. Yeah. And, like, no one can deny that we have a homelessness problem, and that a lot of the people that are homeless are struggling with mental illness. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see your concerns about um, not really knowing exactly, like, the steps they're going to take to enact this. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I think I would hold
0: off on voting yes on this. Personally, Because I do think that's a really major issue. I didn't really agree with all the points that this organization made in opposition of it. Um, National Alliance on Mental Illness. But I did agree with the last point, which is like, how are you supposed to get anything done if there's like already all the systematic barriers to even building housing for these individuals? Like, I think if we're going to start designating money towards this, it... If we don't try to first address the issue, we're gonna lose a lot of money. And it's gonna be money wasted versus like money well spent. So I think I'm not like against designating money for this in general. I just think we should try to address the issue of these barriers before we designate money.
1: Okay. So where do you think would be the place to start in terms of strategy?
0: I would focus on limiting local entities ability to discriminate against building properties for individuals with mental health who have mental health illnesses or like homelessness so a lot of you know like the projects like a lot of people are against that because it it lowered property values for individuals Mm -hmm. Um, because they said it like raised crime in their neighborhood but that was partially because like you just gave them housing and then you didn't really give them any resources to have a job so they had a home roof over their head, but they didn't have any way to feed their family. Uh-huh. So that was, like, a big issue. Um, in terms of increasing the ability for mental people with mental illnesses to actually get better, you can't just, like, provide them housing and not provide them services that allow them to function as an individual. And though housing is, like, one way to combat their mental health issues because having a permanent place to stay allows them to recover faster it also unless it's like in aligned with you know services such as treatment and counseling but also job training it's they're not really going to get anywhere yeah and especially if like i have to look into uh, assembly bill uh 727 to see if it really does already pay for housing for individuals that would be covered under prop two Because if that's true, then why are we creating all this additional housing when we're already spending money to house these individuals?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if the rest of the money from, like, the millionaire's tax is addressing some of these other issues that you're talking about?
0: I think it just mostly goes towards paying for mental health services, such as, like, clinics and staff to uh, run... Treatments and medications for these individuals. Probably they do some type of job training as well. I haven't looked okay. into how they spend this money exactly, um, especially because they just started being able to tax. This was like a 12-year fight. Yeah, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, to just even tax these individuals. Okay. Yeah. So we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. So I would not vote it for it now until there's some systemic issues addressed and then i'd vote for it down the line that i'm like not voting against it because i don't believe that this money should be allocated to these individuals i feel like there's just certain steps that should be taken beforehand before allocating this money so the money is spent as wisely as possible okay cool
1: yeah i'm curious to see what comes out about it what people are writing about newspapers and, like, what politicians speak out about it.
0: Yeah, there was no newspapers that had written any articles about it. I looked it up online to find some references and the only references I could find were, pe- were articles just saying, these are the propositions up for vote. Yeah. So, this is what Prop 2 covers. Yeah. Alright, so... Tell me about Proposition 10.
1: Right, so Prop 10 is called the Local Rent Control Initiative, and Mm -hmm. proponents are calling it the Affordable Housing Act. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you vote yes on this proposition, you're supporting a repeal of something called the Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act. What's the Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act? I'm glad you asked, (laughs) Jamie. It's my job. (laughs) So this was an act passed in 1995 in California, and it limits rent control in California. So cities can't put rent control on... Housing that was first occupied after February 1st of 1995. Or on housing where the... Housing, like, condos and townhouses. mm mm-hmm. Where it's, like, multi-owner, like, but a single structure, kind of. Okay. And also, it gave landlords the right to increase their rent prices when a tenant moves out. Okay, so...
0: Like, in L.A., you rent a property and then if you stay in that property for x amount of years your rent doesn't increase
1: is that what mm-hmm. this is saying this is so we do have there's like 15 cities i think that do have rent control in california but costa hawkins mm-hmm. just really limits what you're allowed to do for with rent control
0: okay and was it before or after that date i didn't catch that um after okay so before that date they could have rent control if they're still living there but most likely not yeah, okay, and so Prop Ten would be repealing this.
1: Prop Ten repeals the uh, Costa Hawkins Act, therefore making rent control allowed again. <laughs> like okay, yeah. So the interesting thing I think is that like even if it passes, there's not going to be like any immediate changes because after Prop Ten passes, then each city would have to write up legislation and pass that legislation in order to change their rent control laws.
0: Okay, would it, this law mandate that they do so, or would it just encourage, the, the it just allows them to do so?
1: Yeah, it only, it just allows them to do it.
0: What type of areas would this be most beneficial?
1: Probably the places that already have some kind of rent control, which is big cities. So in the Bay Area, it's like, you have like Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, East Palo Alto, all these places have some kind of rent control right now. Mm -hmm. And then LA, obviously, and some areas around LA.
0: With San Diego?
1: Probably, yeah. Okay. Just, yeah, anywhere that you hear about having crazy housing issues and, like, displacing people because of rising rent prices. Okay. So, if you live in, you know, Central Valley or less urban areas, you probably won't be affected by this proposition. Okay. Except that, I guess, people that live in urban areas might tend to, like, spill out into, like, the more affordable places and then commute back. So maybe if they can afford to move to where they work, then they would, like, leave more rural areas.
0: Which would reduce prices there so people could afford places again. So, like, Anna Carbello, was that who we
1: talked to? Oh, yeah, Caballero.
0: Caballero. So, Anna Caballero would probably be in favor of this because she talked about how in her county there's a lot of people who are getting pushed out because richer
1: people are coming in and buying nicer properties in that area because it's cheaper. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a domino effect. It's like you can't live in San Francisco, so you move to, like, I don't know, Daly City or whatever, and then you can't afford to live in Daly City, so you have to move out to, like, somewhere even further.
0: So this po- uh, rent and control issue would possibly also alleviate traffic issues in ur- heavily urbanized areas because less people would have to commute farther away from their jobs.
1: Yeah. That's another hope from the people that support this. Okay, cool.
0: What How else? much m- would it lose any money in terms of tax revenue for cities?
1: I don't think so.
0: No. No. Because when you're renting, you're not paying taxes on how much you're renting. The individual who owns the apartment is paying taxes
1: on the property. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the people that would be hurt by this, obviously, is landlords, people who develop residential like housing and stuff. They wouldn't be allowed to make as much money. But they still, I mean, they can still make a profit off of renting things. Mm-hmm.
0: Would, okay, so it would depend on the area, but some areas, would they allow for, like, a inflation cost? Like, so, so like, when rent control, like, there's rent control, but there's also allowing for inflation costs, so, like, you can't have it go more than the the inflation of the currency.
1: Yeah, so a lot of times they'll be like, you can raise it, like, 5% per year or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, those are the numbers that I was saying. It was, like, between 3 and 8% or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, like, right now there's so many more protections for the landlords and the owners than there are for tenants. Like, tenants can get kicked out, basically, like, whenever they feel like it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think, like, I don't think rent control really threatens landlords because, like, they can still charge a fair amount get their own bills paid. Mm -hmm. Um, They just can't extort money from people.
0: Yeah, they just can't um, start kicking people out because of the demand. Mm -hmm. Or raising rent ridiculously high because of more demand. They have to keep it at the price that the person initially got there can have. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: and yeah, when you look at who's in support and who's in opposition, it really looks like labor unions versus housing corporations.
0: So who's in favor of it?
1: So in favor is, um, two LA officials, so the LA mayor and, um, an LA city council member, Mm -hmm. and then California Democratic Party, and then a bunch of unions like, um, California nurses, teachers, service employees, healthcare, government employees. Cool. So just all unions, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. They're basically saying Costa-Hawkins threatens housing affordability and leads to resident displacement, which makes sense. Yeah. And local government should be able to control the rent in their own community rather than it coming from, like, arbitrary places. Okay.
0: So what do the people who oppose this say?
1: The people who oppose it? I couldn't find officials that oppose it, but the Republican, California Republican Party is in opposition. And they say it's a disincentive for people to build more housing. And right now we have a housing shortage. How does it disincent
0: people to build more housing?
1: Because now they can't make as much money off of building new housing. So maybe developers would work on building commercial buildings instead. Because their return might be higher. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. There. Yeah, the argument is that building more is better than lowering rent.
0: I mean, if you really want to get rid of people not building as much residential housing, you should get rid of Prop 13. Because <laughs> a lot of the reason people or, like, communities are encouraging more rents, rental properties, is because the lack of properties available increase their property value, like supply and demand. Yeah. So having more properties that are available decreases their property value so if you want people to have more housing you would just get rid of prop 13 not that i'm advocating that i'm just saying that would be a (laughs) more logical solution not that i'm advocating getting rid of prop 13
1: i think you can you can work to lower rent while you're working to build more housing it's not like one or the other Mm -hmm. and i mean we're trying to build more right now but it's just like it's not quick enough like there's not enough housing and we're not building affordable housing. So only certain people can afford these new developments. True. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more like almost twenty seven million was raised in opposition. Oh wow. Um by CEOs and property <laughs> trusts and stuff. Was there any money raised in in favor? Yeah, the support have raised $12.5 million. Okay, well that's a lot of money thrown yeah. into this. Yeah, it's pretty contentious.
0: Is there any additional information you want to let me know?
1: So only four states in the U.S. have any form of rent control, which I was surprised by. Really? Yeah. So What are those states? Um, yeah, it's us and then New York, New Jersey and Maryland. Okay. And then a lot of other states prohibit rent control.
0: Like, Oregon and Washington?
1: I guess. They're not... Yeah, they're not one of the four. Um, But then I'm like, why... We have rent control, but we still have, like, terrible out-of-control rent prices.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, that's so
1: true. All right. Well, what are your takeaways? I would vote for it.
0: I kind of have a perspective of smaller local government having more control and autonomy over their abilities unless it comes to like violating someone's civil rights mm-hmm. because you know it's tyranny <laughs> the majority but in terms of like regulations and zonings and et cetera, et cetera i feel like local government should have more control over that because they're more in tune with their own needs and when someone comes out over and tries to do a blanket statement for all local governments it doesn't always end up being the most beneficial. So any kind of legislation that's going to give more power to local governments, I'm in favor of. This really sounds like a local government versus states, state constitution issue or state law issue yeah. to me more than a renter issue. And just allowing... Because it's not saying that you have to change your laws. It's just allowing local governments to change their laws.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What would you say, Hanako?
1: <laughs> I am in support... I think well the way the rhetoric that the opposition is using is like discussing housing as if it's just like any other commodity, um, whereas, instead of a need like, like shelter is I a think, need. Yeah, everyone <laughs> needs housing. That's a right that you should have, and to talk about it as if like in the abstract is a little bit like cold and I feel like I don't know out of touch with like what. <laughs> housing really looks like in california okay yeah and it's not it's not as dramatic as some people are making it out to be because like i said people need to pass local governments need to pass legislation before anything will actually change
0: okay good pod thanks (laughs) we overcame
1: some struggles
0: we uh had some missteps but today we succeeded tofu thank you for being so quiet taking a nap he's taking a nap he was all huffy and then he's calmed down a little bit <laughs> he's a really cute dog he like i thought my dog had some anxiety <laughs> anyways so what are we covering next week Hanaku?
1: what are we covering
0: i don't know <laughs> uh, tbd anyways as always like our instagram like our facebook like our twitter follow us on twitter yeah at undecided ca
1: at our blog undecidedcalifornia.com and give us money <laughs> on Patreon please thank you what's the Patreon? www.patreon.com undecidedca she better at this than me
0: <laughs> anyways
1: yeah have a good one thanks for listening love you okay I don't love you I don't know you
0: but I feel strong emotional connection with you. Bye. Bye.